And welcome everybody. Good to see you. My name is Tim Harris, I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. JT Haynes, who's standing right here, y'all, today is his birthday, uh, which is funny. Yeah. He's just one of those guys, he doesn't age. He's like Ryan Seacrest, you know, or Dracula, whatever. I mean, he just always looks the same. You never, y'all know I'm real high voice right here. Uh, you wouldn't believe that dude's 60, but I'm kidding. He's, I don't know how old he is. He's younger than I am. Started a new sermon series last week entitled Hero Maker. We talked about what it means to give ourselves away. If we're going to be like Jesus, this is not an option. This is simply how we live. Jesus said that the Son of Man came not to serve, uh, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve, and in doing so, he shows us that we also must give our lives away to him and to serve. Now, this has been our theme for the whole year, but I try to be very careful because I realize that, that, that some of us, when you have a theme like give yourself away and hero maker where we're talking about you know, making sure that somebody else is always in the spotlight and not you, uh, some of us are inevitably going to hear that wrong, and especially some of our women. I don't, I'm not talking about all women uh, and only women. Uh, there are men as well. But, but there are a lot of women who will hear this in a way that is not exactly, exactly what, what, what the model of Christ is showing us. I want to talk about that. I want to step back and, and preach a message primarily to the women. I said that a hero maker is a person who isn't trying to be the hero but is content to make somebody else the hero. Uh, a hero maker is a person who is satisfied to hold the light that somebody else will stand in. A hero maker is a person who will build the platform that somebody else will stand upon. And and the thing is, a a lot of you women, uh, you've assumed that was your role since you were a girl. You you got used to a long time ago that you would be the wind beneath somebody else's sweaty old wing, and and you've just sort of assumed that that was going to be your role in life. It's not exactly the same thing as what Christ calls you toward. And I want us to make that distinction. I want to make that distinction with you today. In the course of this sermon, uh, I'm going to call Trisha Brown up. Uh, Trisha has a rather phenomenal ministry of speaking to women, uh, but I want to let her speak to to our women today. And guys, you're welcome to listen because it's awesome. Um, Remember that Trisha buried a son this past year. And so this is a very painful Mother's Day, I imagine, for her. Uh, I really thank the Lord that she has that strength today to speak. Uh, But anyway, she will speak in just a moment. But I want to call your attention to Luke chapter 1. Again, this should probably go without saying, but let me go ahead and say it just in case. We're talking about hero makers. It's not mostly men who are the heroes, and it's not mostly women who are the hero makers. Can we just get that out there? It's not simply that men are heroes and then women are the ones, you know, somewhere in, in the background, you know, ironing their cape. You know, that's not exactly what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like. The kingdom of God that is in which we are neither male or female, according to Paul. So understand, it's not just men who are the heroes, not just women who are the hero makers. And that brings us to the person Mary in Luke chapter one. Now it is not Christmas. And most of the time when we read Mary's story, it's at Christmas. So maybe without Christmas, you'll really get a sense of who this woman is and what it means to be a favored woman of God. And, and Mary exemplifies that for us. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and let's jump in. This is Mary's story, beginning in verse 26 with the angel Gabriel. Here we go. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. 
She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but but, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you have believed that the Lord would do what he said. You are blessed because you have believed that the Lord would do what he said. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Do you think that young pregnant Mary would have been so quick to praise if she had understood about the cross? Do you think she could have said, he has done great things for me, if she had foreseen the agony of her son being tortured for crimes he didn't commit? Do you think that she would have considered herself blessed if she had known how her heart was going to be broken? In answer to the popular Christmas carol, Mary did not know, not fully Not any more than you or I, the pain that motherhood will bring. It's not just the pain of childbirth or sleepless nights with an infant. It's not just the backaches and the weak bladders and the saggy bodies. Those pains, those inconveniences, they're minor compared to the pain of having your heart walk around outside of your body. No, it's the pain of watching our children grow up in a cruel world. It's the pain of watching them make unwise and destructive choices and then face the consequences. 
It's the pain of watching them suffer from their own mistakes and from things over which they had no control. It's the pain of feeling helpless to help them. It's the pain of losing them. It's the pain of sad goodbyes and eternal see you laters. Those are the pains that last a lifetime. Those are the pains that can steal our joy, the joy of motherhood. If we pour into our children like farmers, tending and tilling, pruning and planting and watering and waiting and watching, expecting a bountiful crop, what do we do when we discover that the fruit from the trees that we call our sons and daughters is not quite as sweet as we expected it to be? We can learn from Mary. Mary submitted to God's will. Before Mary had laid her eyes on her son, she prostrated herself in submission to God. Luke one thirty eight. Mary says there to the angel delivering the news of her pregnancy, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Ladies, we too, we have to submit to the Lord's will. Sometimes his will brings great joy. Sometimes it doesn't look like the way we expected. Sometimes it hurts. But if he is Lord, then we have to submit and trust that no matter what, his love will carry us through. Like Mary, this should be our mantra. Whatever happens, Lord... I am not first a mother. I am first your servant. May your will be accomplished in my life. Mary submitted to God's will. But Mary also sang of God's glory. While Mary didn't know what the future would hold, she most certainly knew who held her future. She praised the God whose mercy extended for generations and generations. She recognized all the good things that he had done for her and for her people. I wonder, I wonder if those praises echoed in her mind as she stood teary-eyed at the cross. When, like Mary, we are able to keep our eyes on him when we are able to remember all the good things that he's given us, it's a little bit easier to swallow all the difficult aspects of motherhood and life. When, like Mary, we are able to praise, we are less likely to be held captive to those difficult emotions. When we intentionally praise him, even in the midst of our sorrow, we find that he is nearer than we could have ever imagined. Mary submitted to God's will. Mary sang of God's glory. And Mary's solace was found in God alone. I know you moms. I'm just like you. I know how we are. We hope and we pray and we wish and we work 
to see our children grow up to fulfill their God-given potential. We desire often even more than our own happiness to see godly fruit in their lives. And then, then we measure our own worth, our own value, our own success on the kind of fruit that they produce. But I want you to think about something. Before Mary even knew that she was pregnant, she had already found favor with God. Before we ever became moms, God already knew us. He already loved us. After my son died, a mom said to me, if I lost my child, I don't think I could go on. I get it. I really do. There are some days that it's hard to get out of bed. The grief of losing a child, it's like nothing I've ever experienced. It's overwhelming. It's consuming. But I do get up and I do go on. Even when it's hard. Even when it hurts. Even when I don't really feel like it. Why? Because as much as I love my children... As much as I love my children, my children are not and should never be my God. Motherhood may be a reverent role. It may be a consecrated commission. It may be a praiseworthy pursuit. But motherhood is not and it can never be the sum of who I am or who you are. While we love our children dearly, our value is not found in motherhood. My value, your value, is found in being a child of the king. So, how do we find joy in motherhood when motherhood is full of so much pain? Like Mary, we submit ourselves to God. We sing of God's glory We find our solace in God alone. And we remember, dear moms, that God is the cultivator of our souls. That as much as we love our children, God loves us even more. As much as we have done for our children, God has done for us even more. It won't make things easy. It won't necessarily make everything all better. It certainly won't take the pain away. But you can be sure of this. You can be sure that a love like this, a love like this will bring us joy. Thank you, Trisha. Happy Mother's Day to you. I love being the pastor for women um, and and our girls. I love that so much. Um, My sisters mean everything to me. You, my sisters. I don't know if it's harder for women, moms. I, I, I know it's different. I know it's different. I know that when 
Joseph and Mary came to the temple that day with baby Jesus. Simeon looked at Mary and said, this boy's going to break your heart. I don't know how, it, how it's harder. I, I just, I know that it's different. There's a song by a woman named Casey Bowles. It's called Somebody Something. It's a song that Casey sings about her mother, which is really interesting. Uh, if you're on the live event, I've, 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 I've provided the link so you can hear it. Um, in the chorus of the song, Somebody Something, Casey Bowles sings about her mother. Um, she's always been somebody something. She's been everything but alone. A daughter, a lover, a wife, and a mother. She's lived every life but her own. Interesting. And it just rings true for me. I guess women, you all can tell, tell me how true it is. It, it, it seems true that a woman more than, more than the man is just always somebody something. Uh, a daughter, uh, a lover, a girlfriend, a, a wife, a mother. Um, I, I think the fact that this is true is just a reminder to us of what we find in the book of Genesis after the fall. When Adam, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, both created uh, in God's own image to walk with God, to know God, to commune with God. Uh, sin interrupts that, as you know. And then in Genesis chapter 3, the, the curse of sin is, is spelled out by God. God just kind of lets them understand the consequences of sin and how sin will be expressed, lived out in our own lives. And, and, and God himself explains it differently for the woman and for the man. So for the man, that curse of sin is going to be frustration and work. Remember, he says that Adam will continue to work the ground as he was created to do, but now that work is going to be toilsome. It's going to produce thorns and thistles. There's a frustration of the man's purpose, the, the, the man at work. And, and I think as men, we can often see how that plays out. But for the woman, it was different. The, the, the woman was created more for relationship, and, and that's a beautiful thing, relationship with God first. But, but that's why for the woman, the, the curse of sin, the, the consequences of sin are lived out as frustration in relationship. And so God says to the woman, in a Hebrew word that's very difficult to, to translate, he says that your desire will be for your husband, but he's going to dominate you. It's this uh, God predicting this perversion of the relationship that he created is good. You're, you're going to... Um, it's not what your desire will be for him. It's more you, you, will, you will turn toward him. You'll, you'll turn to him. Uh, the, the implication is the woman was created for God. The woman was created to find herself in, in the Lord, to commune with the Lord. But she's going to turn away from the Lord and instead turn to others. So this woman who was intended to find herself, find her identity, find her satisfaction, find her soul filled with the love and presence of God, she's now going to lose herself in the shadow of brothers and fathers and boyfriends and husbands and, and children. Does, does that make sense? And, and, so, and so she's always somebody something. And she lives... Every life but her own. 
Now, there is now a generation of girls that have grown up with that, with that somebody something, you know, warning. And so what this new generation of girls now, they're actually very fiercely strong and independent. And God bless them. We, we want our daughters to be strong and, and independent. And, and, and a lot of women have gotten that message that they don't need a man. They don't need anybody. They, they, they are themselves full and complete and, and strong. And, and I get that. I understand that. The problem is... Nobody is strong every day. And it may turn out that the only thing worse than being somebody's something is being nobody's nothing. So, it brings us to Mary. Lessons from the story of of, of Mary. Uh, I'd say the first one... Again, it should be something that goes without saying, but I still think for some of the women in this house, this is a difficult truth to absorb. The highest calling is not to be a wife or a mother, but to follow Christ. The highest calling is not to be a wife. It's awesome. If, if you're blessed to find a man uh, and you can live happily together as, as, as uh, covenant partners, but, but again, that's not your highest calling. You, you, to be a mother is a marvelous thing. I mean, a dad is awesome, but man, I mean, to have actually carried that child in, in your belly for nine months and I mean, to have that child come from from your own body. I, I just can't even imagine that. It's, it's an, a miraculous and marvelous calling, but it is not the highest calling. If, if, if you miss this, if you miss this woman, I, I worry about you. You, you were called to follow Christ. Understand Mary. I mean, I mean, pay attention to her story here. First off, she's, she's only a girl. And yet the angel Gabriel, the messenger Gabriel, comes from the Lord with this message. And the first words out of the angel's mouth in verse 28 are what? Greetings, favored one, favored woman. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. I love that. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And what does Mary say? Uh, Actually, Gabriel describes her with the words favored and and, and accompanied. The Lord is with you. But the next words describing Mary in verse 29 are what? Confused and disturbed. (laughs) It's like, what? You know, greetings, favored woman. She's like, who who you talk? Who are you talking? You, know, you got the wrong house. I mean, you got the wrong girl. The Lord is with you. She's like, what? I mean, confused, disturbed. This doesn't make any sense. She's never seen herself that way. She's never thought of herself that way. She's just an ordinary girl in an ordinary town in her bedroom. I mean, there's nothing about her that would make her think that the light's about to shine on her. Nothing about her that would make her think that she was favored or accompanied by God. It's amazing. But in yet right here, this is the message. You're favored. You're loved. This is who you are. And then notice what she says in verse 38. At the end of this message, she says, oh, wonderful. I'm going to have a baby. Right? I'm going to have a baby. Oh, this is fantastic. I got I to go to Target. Because you can't have a baby without going to Target I- anymore, right? I mean, I, I'm going to have a baby. I need to go tell Joseph. N- no. Now, as a man, I'm thinking, I think Joseph is going to be really interested in this news. 
got some explaining to do to Joseph, but, but understand, Mary doesn't even think about Joseph. I mean, the next verse, man, she's out of town. I mean, she, she, you need to text Joseph. But, you know, Joseph's not the first, first thing she thinks about. As a matter of fact, the baby, I mean, this is all good news. I mean, she is going to have a baby, and that's important. And she's going to marry Joseph, and that's important. But both of those things are beside the point. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. I, I am the, the Lord's servant. I mean, that, that's who she is. Elizabeth says, you're blessed because you believe the Lord. Not you're blessed because you found a good man You're blessed because he finally put a ring on it. You're blessed because you're going to have a baby. No, no, no. You're blessed because you believe the Lord. Now, pay attention to these women because these women have it going on right here. Mary and Elizabeth understand what, for the most part, a lot of women don't understand. The highest calling is not to be a wife and mother. These are wonderful things. Don't get me wrong. But following Jesus is the most important thing. You're created to follow Christ. Your identity comes from Christ. It doesn't come from your husband. It doesn't come from your children. You are the Lord's servant. That is first. That is foremost. This is who you are. Highest calling is not to be a wife or mother. Happy Mother's Day. It is to follow Jesus, follow Christ. Now, second, and this is critical, please, girls, listen to me. It makes all the difference in the world to realize you are favored from the start. Favored from the start. Remember what I just said? The angel comes in and says, greetings, favored woman. And Mary's like, who are you talking about? Who who are you talking to? The Lord is with you. What? Life never felt that way. She never saw herself that way. But this is the truth. And it's the truth for you too. You are God's favored daughter. He's with you, been with you from the start. And you don't have to do anything to earn that. Nothing earns you that. You don't have anything to prove. Understand? You just get to step out into the world already favored, already loved by the God who made you and created you. Do you understand this? It's very, very important that you do. Now, let's talk about the word favored. A lot of girls growing up, they never felt like anybody's favorite. Now, sometimes as a girl, you really look for ways to earn that favor from people. You look for ways to perform. You look for ways to sort of change your body. You prayed that your body would be different so that you might earn the favor of the world but I'm not talking about any of that. I'm not talking about being somebody's favorite. It doesn't say greetings, Mary, you're God's favorite. It's not what we're talking about. God doesn't have favorites. Not like that. Because if it's like that, you already feel like you're, you're disqualified. You've never been anybody's favorite. If you grew up in a family with brothers, chances are the brothers always got the attention. Man, everything they did was awesome. Your mom and dad dragged chairs all over the county. Every time your brothers put on socks, they got trophies. And there you were. You know, you did things too. But, but somehow the world just never rolls it all out for the women like we do for the boys. I mean, so as a daughter, it's always about your brothers. 
kind of wanted to be somebody's favorite, but it's hard to get noticed in the classroom. It's hard to get noticed at work. I mean, you, you find ways to try to get noticed, but we're not talking about this. We're not talking about God just now discovered you, Mary. Turns out you're a pretty good girl. No, no, no. It, it's favor. Greetings, favored one. Sardia has God's favor. So what is favor? This is a spiritual quality, so get this right. God's favor is first the guarantee of his presence. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. What is a woman's, most women, what is their greatest fear? Being alone. Like, like you play your life forward sometime and you are like that woman in a house dress living with cats. And, and you don't, you don't want to end up alone. You can't imagine being nobody's nothing. So, but understand, God's favor is a guarantee of his presence. You have never, you will never be alone. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. He's with you. You're not alone. You'll never be alone. It's the guarantee of his presence, the provision of his power to accomplish his special purpose in your life. You have a special purpose now, if you're married, it, it, it's going to involve your husband. He's a part of it too now. If you've got children, it's a part of that. But understand, God sees you. God knows you separate from all those people. If you're somebody, something, understand you're the Lord's servant. You belong to him first. He has his eye on you. He's with you. He provides power so that you can accomplish his special purpose for your life. Greetings, favored woman. Do you understand? This is up front. This is from the start. You don't have to go to college and earn a degree to earn this. Understand, you don't earn this. You don't have to look like anybody else. You don't have to pierce anything. You don't have to, you know, liposuction is unnecessary here. It's not earned. You don't have anything to prove. But you see, you have to understand this up front. And I'm talking to our daughters now. You need to know this up front. Because if you don't understand this, then you go out into the world looking to find this, all of this, you try to find it from somebody else. Like you're looking at idiot boys in high school thinking they can give you this. And they can't. I mean, they can't. There is not a boy in the world who can guarantee his presence. I mean, even if they're there, sometimes they're not there. Provision of his power. You think you need a man's power to get you through life? I'm telling you, you you can't depend on anybody else. Not like this. This is the Lord's role in your life. He has a purpose in your life. You don't have to wait for some man to put a ring on it. You don't have to wait for some man to tell you what your name is. You don't have to wait for any of that. It comes from the Lord and it's all up front. Elizabeth says, Mary, you're blessed because you believed in it. Believed. Understand me, girl? You believe and you're blessed. This comes up front. This comes from the Lord. So you get to step out into the world already full. You're not out there empty waiting for some guy to come and fill you up. You're filled up by the Lord God who created you. He knows the empty places in you and he knows how to fill them. You believe. And in that believing, God gives you his favor all up front. Are y'all understanding me? Man, so many girls, they step out into the world empty and needy and begging, and it's sad. It's heartbreaking. 
daughter of the Lord. You were created for so much more. Don't go out into the world begging, needy. You're favored. From the start, you're you're favored. Now, now with that, let me say this, and this brings us back around to moms here and dads. Your greatest accomplishment in life may not be in something you do. Can I, I know it's Mother's Day, but can I stop right here and talk to men for a second? Because men, we're often all about this, something we do. You know, remember the way we express the fall, the sin in our lives is often in our work. And so, man, we get all about what we do. But, but dude, you got to understand, you got kids. And if you got kids, your greatest accomplishment your greatest accomplishment may have nothing to do with what you do. It may have everything to do with who you're raising, which means you have a responsibility to raise them. Now, when I talk about raising kids, I'm not just talking about raising kids. We're God's people. We're making disciples. So our aim is to make disciples. So back to mom here. You're thinking, oh, if I just, what I want as a mother, all I want is one day all my children to love me. I just want my children to love me. If they just all grow up and they love mama, then I'll know that I did everything right. No, ma'am. I just say it. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. If you raise children who grow up loving mama, but they don't love Jesus, you did not do everything right. Understand? You're raising children to love Jesus. You're raising children to love Jesus. Now, they should love their mama too. It's mother, happy Mother's Day. I'm, I'm going to be in so much trouble into this Mother's Day. Man, you, you raise kids that love their mama, but they don't love and follow Jesus. You did not do it right. Your greatest accomplishment in life may not be in something you do. It's, it's in someone you raise. You can't outsource this. You can't hire daycare workers to, to make disciples. I mean, you can't just expect that you pull up under the canopy, put your kids out at church, and somebody else is going to do this. Greatest accomplishment in life may not be in something you do, but in someone you raise. Now, we're talking about hero makers, right? And as parents, we probably... If, 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 you're, if you become a parent, that's a moment when you really understand this whole idea of a hero maker because you really, many of us, we just start thinking that way. You know, I have one son, his name is Wade, and uh, I just want Wade to be a better man than I am. I mean, I want him to be better and, and go further and accomplish more. I mean, I want everything for him. And, and that's what it means to be a hero maker. Man, I will gladly sign the light he stands in. My, with my life, I want to build a platform that he will stand on. I mean, that's, that's, that, that, that's what it's about. And, and so as parents, as mothers, we, we just serve our children. I mean, you serve them. I mean, I know today's your day, but we also all kind of know what that means, right? I mean, you're going to get a couple of hours where we may take you out to Cheddar's and then, you know, we may rub lotion on your feet later. Yuck. But but, you know, tomorrow we want you back at it. I mean, tomorrow, you know, understand. I mean, Mama, happy Mother's Day. But tomorrow I need you to take me and Cheryl to the mall. I mean, you know, it's back at it. And so we just serve. And especially as mothers, you just, 
You give yourself away for the sake of your children and you do it gladly and and you do it sometimes way past when you should still be doing it. I mean, you you just love to serve your children. And and part of that is Christ-like, but but understand what it means to serve after Christ. Because remember last week, we talked about how Jesus himself said that the Son of Man comes not to be served, but to serve and to give his life away for the ransom of many. So so Jesus said that. And remember what I said was that Jesus doesn't serve you so that you learn to be served, but so that you will serve. Were y'all here last week? Y'all remember that? So let me say it again today on Mother's Day for parents. You serve your children, not so they will learn to be served, but so they will learn to serve. That's what I thought you'd say. Because it gets awkward. Because honestly... We're putting out a generation of children in the world that really think that the whole world's going to serve them. You ever gone at like their places of business around town that'll have that sign that says, your mother does not work here. What does that mean? Your mother doesn't work here. Means don't come in here expecting everybody to think you're just cute for showing up. You know, I mean, your mama thinks you're cute. The rest of us, we see you for what you are. And you're not all that cute. I mean, it's, you know, they, they, a mama's love is what they call it. The rest of us don't love you like your mama did. We see flaws. You understand? And, and if you come in late at work, you know, everybody else is going to be like your mama and say, oh, sweetie, I bet you just had a hard night. You know, just come on in, you know, whenever you feel like it and, and, and let mama make you a Pop-Tart. You know, it's not going to work that way. Do you understand? But, but we produce children who, because they've always been served, they just think they're supposed to be served. And I'm telling you, if we raise children like that, we're doing it wrong. Jesus serves in order that people will learn to serve. So your aim as a parent, as a mother, as a father, you want to raise children who learn how to serve. Now, certainly they're going to learn that by your example, But at some point, understand, in raising these children, you've got to point them to Jesus. They have to understand that Jesus is their example. They have to follow him. They have to learn to live as Jesus lived. And that means they're going to serve. That means they should not step out of the world thinking that they're going to be the heroes. They're called to be the hero makers. You understand what I'm saying? We're making disciples. It's the most important job you'll ever have if you're blessed to have kids. Some of your school teachers, some of you are aunts and uncles, your children, you have influence over all of this. It's the same thing for you too. Man, the most important thing you might ever do is, is, is mentor, teach, raise a child. More important than anything you might else do. So, uh, but bottom line is this. The, the fruit of your life will grow on someone else's tree. And I know for some of us, like, that's uncomfortable because we really like the glory. Like, like, even with our kids, like, your daughter's a cheerleader, and you always wanted to be a cheerleader, you know? So now that she's a cheerleader, you feel like, you, you feel like she's completing you. You know, that, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about, you know, we're talking about where, you know, you just sort of live through other people. No. But at the same time, if, if you live your life right, um, all, all the best things that, that you accomplish, they are in the lives of others. Jesus said the Son of Man comes to serve and to give his life away for the ransom of many. Anything you accomplish, it's worth anything. It's going to 
always bear out in somebody else's life. So, so that's why you have to be really comfortable building the platform that somebody else will stand upon. That's why you need to be very satisfied to hold the spotlight that somebody else can stand in. So, uh, women, uh, girls, I, I know that a lot of you, like, you're cool with that because, like, you don't want the spotlight on you. For, for whatever reason, you learned early on that if people notice you, you get embarrassed. If they notice you, they're going to see your flaws or you're going to become painful. I and mean, if the spotlight is on you, the first thing you're going to think about is your belly. Do you look fat in these jeans? I mean, you know. So you avoid the spotlight because for the most part, if the light shines on you, it's, it's, ne- it's never going to be good for you if, if the light's on you. It's, it's going to be somehow humiliating. But favored one? What if just one day, I mean, you're not looking for the spotlight, but, but what if just because of God's plan and God's purpose, what if the light shines on you? Like you weren't seeking it. You're always ready to hold it for somebody else. But what if like Mary one day you just wake up and the angel is there and the light is on you? What in the world do you do if you never thought you'd be the girl in the spotlight and all of a sudden here's the angel and the message and the truth that you are favored What do you do when all of a sudden you find yourself with the light shining on you? You weren't looking for that. You weren't ready for that. So what do you do? Just step into it, girl. Just step into it. Play your part. So the angel says to Mary, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. the end of it, Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. May everything in my life go exactly the way he says. Pray with me. Oh, Lord, what a pleasure it is to stand on the sidewalk before and after church and see the girls coming and going from this house, Lord, our daughters who come in and take their place in these pews. They take their place in the body of Christ, and they listen, and they watch, and they long to know that they are treasured that they are important, that they are somebody something. So, Lord, I pray that the women in this house, the girls in this house, they will know that they are your daughters, your servants, Lord, that you have called them by name, that you and you alone can tell them who they are and what they're worth. Lord, I pray that you would fill their hearts, that you would fill their souls in your presence, by your own heart, Lord, so that they don't have to go out into the world trying to find some guy who could never do, never fill the place, Lord, that only you were created to fill. 
Lord, I pray that as brothers and fathers, husbands, that we'll learn, Lord, how ourselves to sometimes hold that light that our girls can stand in. Help us, Lord, to step aside sometimes. Let our girls win the trophy, stand on the stage, Lord. Lord, we are all your sons and daughters, and all of us, Lord, live because of your favor. So, God, today I pray that you would speak tenderly, deeply, strongly to the heart of every woman, every man, Lord, that we might know that we have the guarantee of your presence and the promise of your power. Provision, Lord, in order for us to accomplish your purpose for our lives. Help us, Lord, all of us, sons and daughters together, to know that we belong to you. That's who we are, and that's what we're worth. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. He himself came not to be served, but to serve. We pray in his name.